Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. about communism, cultural Marxism, Alinsky, and Islam. Also find very interesting guests, including former CIA agents, authors, and friends. Reza, thank you very, very much for, uh, for contacting us and uh, agreeing to join us here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, as promised, with me on the line is uh, our guest, Charles Faddis. Uh, open your mic right now. Charles, welcome back to Stay Mad Radio. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back. No, that's, that's my pleasure. Uh, our, our pleasure. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break right into bringing him right on. Uh, Usama, uh, thank you for joining me here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my joy to be with you, brother, and I uh, hope and I pray that the Lord will use it tonight. Her name is Janie Johnson. She wrote the book, Don't Take My Lemonade Stand. How are you today, Janie? I'm doing great, David. How are you? I'm fine. I think this is her now. Uh, is this Addie? 
I Hello. am here. I'm listening. I'm How are you? Very, very nice to speak with you, finally. Yeah, it sure is. So catch this and much more exciting content on AMAD Radio, Tuesday and Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Wow. <laughs> Good night, folks. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Today's date is, wow, it's already January 18th, 2012. Beautiful old town, Alexandria, Virginia. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Yeah, once again, I have been testing out my fine, brand new espresso machine. And I am wired once again. And maybe stay awake until DGT show later on tonight. I've only been able to catch his show maybe two or three times over the course of the last month because it's on so late. But with my new, fine, super special forces, Marine Corps espresso machine, I can stay awake for hours after, hour after hour. Yeah. So, I'll ask once again, if you hear suddenly a thump, which would be my head hitting the desk here, and then uncomfortable silence, you will know that my heart has exploded or that I have suffered a massive stroke because I have consumed mass quantities of espresso. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I may need to go after this show and run around the block a few times to try to work off some of this espresso high. I mean, why why do people take drugs, crack or cocaine or any other type of drug? Just go out to Williams-Sonoma and buy yourself a super, super espresso machine. One of those big brass espresso machines with all the tubes coming out of it. You can get just as high, I think. I mean, I've never taken an illegal drug in my life. But I can tell you, right now, I'm high as a kite from espresso. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I'm going to take a short break while I try to dial it down just a little bit. <laughs> and you guys hang on because we got some really interesting stuff to talk about tonight. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. I'm going to go run around the block. <laughs> And we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. What college do you dream of sending your kids to? Yale, Harvard, Princeton. Forget it. Those are the universities of yesteryear. The school of the future is COC. Community Organizer College. I'm a graduate, and I just took control of General Motors. And now I'm thinking of taking over Chrysler, too. Maybe. Or selling it to an Italian bicycle company, uh, I think. Want your kids to run a giant company or even an entire industry like healthcare, banking, or insurance? Enroll him or her at COC Community Organizer College. Do you want your darlings to have trillions of, of dollars of, of money to spread around? Apply to Community Organizer College. Our teachings are based on a major breakthrough in education. It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. At COC, Community Organizer College, we don't waste time teaching English, history, math, science, or business management. We teach cool. We teach pompous. We teach teleprompter, doublespeak, seducing the media. Community Organizer College. Where your kids can learn to run a company or a country. Who knows? Uh, maybe the entire planet. Community Organizer College. <laughs> Capacity is limited. Better act now. For an application, dial 1-800-ACORN-COC. It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. Having trouble paying your mortgage and don't know what to do? 
Introducing the all-new Freddie Mac Fannie Mae, where government lending just got easier. Hello, I'm Barney Swank. In the past, did someone entice you to borrow too much money? Twick you into living above your means? Force you to lie about your income in order to get a loan? At the all-new Fenway Freddie Mac Fannie Mae, we don't care what you did or what you do. You deserve the American dream of home ownership. And now, with our all-new free market loan program, you'll never, ever be able to get a mortgage you can't pay back. We'll pay it for you, for free. The government got us into this mess, and the government will get us out. The all-new Freddie Mac Fannie Mae. We're paying back your mortgage just got a whole lot easier. Good morning, January 20th, 2017, the last day of Barack Obama's eight years as president. Eight tough years for many as unemployment continues climbing. Debt to China reaching record levels. Some analysts believe the Chinese have overtaken the United States. Eight years ago, we were promised hope. Today, many believe their American dream has been lost. The Republican National Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising. I remember America. Sure, you can still find it on a map, but nobody older than 20 thinks this is America. Even if coordinates are the same, we've lost our compass. You don't have a direction without reference, the true north. For America, it was liberty. When we lost the love of liberty, our understanding of liberty, it was just a matter of time before the rest of it was lost. Some think it started when the auto companies were nationalized or the police state to control the Internet, or when certain companies couldn't fail because their relationship with politicians made them too big to fail, and the rest of us, without political influence, were too small to succeed. Sure, that all happened pretty quickly. There were just a couple of years, but liberty had been gradually devolving for decades. Some of the more astute, like Ayn Rand, saw it about 50 years before others. She warned us, but people didn't believe it could happen here until it did. Laws had been used to loot productive individuals and businesses, but in the new millennium, under Bush and Obama, graft, corruption, and crony capitalism were no longer hidden behind closed doors. The looters and their laws came out of hiding like rabid animals that were no longer afraid of humans. It was brought into the spotlight, and it was celebrated as enlightened economic policy. Ayn Rand asked the question and Atlas Shrugged that the rest of us were asking 60 years later. Which failing financial institution will the administration pluck from the flames of crisis? And which will it let roast? Which market or investment technique will the regulators bless? And which, in a capricious change of rules, will it condemn or outlaw? As John Galt said in his radio address, You decided you had a right to your wages, but we had no right to our profits. You called it selfish and cruel that men should trade value for value. But you've now established an unselfish society where they trade extortion for extortion. People who had never produced or managed anything tried to manage every aspect of our lives, and they brought production to a standstill. And eventually, they decided to micromanage the food supply in the name of fairness and safety. And we all know what happened then. Fiction can be a powerful influence, for good or bad. It's too bad more people didn't read Atlas Shrugged. They might have realized where this was heading. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. All right. We've done our duty, our due diligence, due diligence with our promos and that sort of thing. And now let's really let's get into what we want to, you know, the story we want to tell tonight, the topics we want to discuss, the things that are important to a lot of us as conservatives. A hope and change has left 25 million Americans unemployed. But our president doesn't care about jobs, especially jobs in the fossil fuel industry. He has canceled the pipeline that will now be sold to China so that they can sell the oil back to us. Let's make, let's make it clear. This coast-to-coast pipeline would extend from Canada to Florida, I believe, 
or somewhere in the southwest, all the way to the ocean, Canada was going to sell the oil to us, the United States. Now they may sell the oil to China, who will then sell the oil to us. We have opened the door for a middleman and pretty much canceled more than 20,000 jobs. Obama would rather trump the decline in the unemployment rate instead, which happens to uh, happens as discouraged Americans stop looking for work. As a result, uh, as a result, labor forces uh, uh, labor force participation has plummeted to 64 percent, the lowest in decades. Cap and trade legislation has carbon. Obama's carbon trading scheme. Well, that died in the Senate. But yet, uh, Mr. Obama has decided that green energy is our future, tasking his EPA and various other agencies to wage war on America's fossil fuel industry through regulation. After all, we don't need coal, natural gas, or nuclear energy. We don't need any of that for electricity. Or to heat our homes. The bright, hot intensity of his brilliance will light our way and keep us warm. We don't need gasoline to power our cars. We have high-speed rail and electric vehicles that cost $40,000 and have a range of just over 40 miles. Thank you, Mr. Obama. Thank you, Lord High Obama so-called dirty coal produces 50% of the electricity needed to charge electric cars. A hybrid costs an extra $10,000 to save 3000 in gasoline. While saddling humanity with hundreds of years of heavy metal battery disposal issues. Does that make any sense? Any at all? But it's for our own good, because Obama knows best. After all, didn't he go to Harvard? Wouldn't it be so much easier to be president of China, if only for a day, or emperor, or anyone who makes all the decisions and decides all the important stuff? Who are we to disagree or question Lord High Obama's judgment? Who are we to expect him to obey rules when others clearly won't do what he tells them to do? Such as our Congress, which Jesse Jackson Jr. has stated is in rebellion and needs to be dealt with harshly. Obama is in rebellion of us. And he needs to be booted out of office. Sometime early in early November would be nice. Now, while most Americans are, are just happy to kiss their children goodnight and just satisfied to make enough money working to pay their mortgage and perhaps not die too soon after they retire... Few aspire to be king, and fewer still would ever become tyrants. But we're not Barack Obama. When you are the food stamp president, the anti-business president, and the anti-jobs president, as well as the anti-energy president, well, what do you have left except tyranny? You're the anti-president president. president. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The fast and furious scandal is the perfect metaphor for our tyrant. This administration is, well, in order to bolster arguments for additional gun control, 
deliberately and illegally, well, they promoted the arming of Mexican cartels. Brilliant! Resulting in the deaths of hundreds of Mexicans, while the My People, Attorney General Holder, has turned the Justice Department into a gun-running enterprise, the administration acts as if it's no big deal and that the uproar is somehow racially motivated. What's racially motivated is Eric Holder classifying black people as my people. When last I understood his job description, he was the attorney he, he was supposed to be the attorney general for all people, every single American. So when Attorney General Holder classifies black folks as my people, quite frankly, he should go to the lawlessness of Barack Obama and his minions is responsible for the deaths of hundreds of human beings. And they don't care because they're only Mexicans. Yet those outraged by this are the ones labeled as racist. It's staggering. It staggers the mind. A tyrant will go through and say and do just about anything to justify his tyranny. And make no mistake, folks, Barack Obama has crossed the dictatorial Rubicon to become a full-fledged tyrant. And tyranny, as we know through history, never ends well. Today we stand on the cusp of history. Obama made history as the first black president of the United States, and he'll make history again by destroying this great country of ours and turning us from a republic into a basic third world dictatorship. Today we stand on the cusp, ladies and gentlemen. Will we be governed or ruled? Our parents and grandparents had World War II. Now we have our battle against the tyranny of Barack Obama. So far he's winning. Yet, <laughs> he's winning the way Charlie Sheen is winning. While Mr. Sheen was the only one hurt by his actions, Barack Obama's Addiction to power hurts not only the nation and its future as a constitutional republic, but he hurts each and every one of us. Barack Obama, welfare king, food stamp king, tyrant. He's got a lot of names. Melinda, girl. I got, you know, I always kind of knew he was going to win, right? Like, I was just, like, you know, playing hard, you know, like, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We ain't got to pay no more bills. What? We got a brother in the White House. It's a black house now. We ain't got to pay no bills, okay? We're going to flip it around. We'll flip it around. We're going to have houses. <laughs> mm -hmm. We ain't gonna have to pay no bills. We might as well just run lights all night long. Mm -mm -mm, no more cockroaches. <laughs> Oprah says we are not allowed to say the word nigger anymore. Okay. All right. We can't say it no more. Oprah don't like it. All right. That's cool. Can't say it. Obama stands for change. Yes. Obama stands for new jobs. New jobs. Uh, new jobs. Work hard. Create new jobs to help the economy. New jobs. Uh, well, you mean I'm not going to get my government check? <laughs> hmm. Is it too late to vote for the white guy? Oh, no. What have we done? That pretty much says it all. What have we done? Is it too late to vote for the white guy? At least with the white guys in office, the unemployment rate in the black community was way down. It was half of what it is now. 
the tyrant has put one over on the black community. He has convinced most blacks that he's the Messiah. And I spoke to a young lady earlier tonight who said that she voted for him simply because he was black and the fact that he was going to make history. He sure to hell did because I'm certain that some of her friends and some of her relatives who may be unemployed at this time are wondering what the hell is going on. Why are my cousins, my nieces, my nephews, my brothers, my sisters still unemployed? Didn't we vote for this historic black leader? Didn't we vote for change we could believe in? Didn't we vote for the first black president of the United States? If that is the case, then why is the unemployment rate so very, very high in the African-American community? Tavis Smiley, a good friend of mine, gets into trouble because he calls out the president on these issues. And black people are all like, who the hell are you, Tavis? To say these things about his royal highness. Black folks, wake up. Now, all this talk about the white man holding you down and the white man not being your friend. And just wait until we get a black president. Just wait until we get a black man in office. Things are going to change. I'm going to get my 40 acres and my mule or, or maybe a Cadillac or something like that. A nice house. You're going to pay all my bills. Just wait. Our day is going to come. Kumbaya. We're going to get ourselves a nice, fine black president. And he's going to take good care of us. Unemployment rate in the black community is skyrocketing. He doesn't even go into the black communities anymore. He was once a community organizer in my hometown of Chicago, Illinois. He used to walk the streets, shaking hands and kissing babies. The last time Barack Obama was in a black neighborhood was when he was attending church on the south side of Chicago on 95th Street at Reverend Wright's mega church. Hell, I remember when Reverend Wright had this tiny little church on 95th Street near Halsted. Hell, my living room was bigger than his church. Now he's got a mega church. Barack Obama used to hang. And now we see Barack Obama and his big black bus. What's that a metaphor for? And he's touring lily white communities. Not a black person in sight. Except maybe his hideous looking wife. She's horrible. Can't stand that woman. I couldn't stand her when I stood outside of his church trolling for dates. Because as everyone knows, every decent black man knows that if you want to get a date for the following Saturday, you stand out in front of Reverend Wright's church holding a Bible and leaning against your car. When the ladies come out, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. You've got your pick. And all you got to do is approach one. She's not interested. Just wait. There's another one and another one and another one. I stood out in front of Reverend Rice Church many a Sunday. And boy, I tell you what, it's like going fishing for trout. All right. But that was the extent of it. Earlier, earlier in one of my broadcasts, I used the term communist dictator. But upon further consideration, it's probably more accurate to substitute the word Marxist. The distinction is somewhat obscure. Either way, my point is that President Obama has many disturbing personality traits disreputable friends and associates, past and present, and millions of poorly educated minions on his side. His political views are way out on the very edges of left-wing extremism. The ingredients, folks, are in place for a dangerous transformation of our country into something we will all quickly regret. Whatever he does in this regard must be done before 
the 2012 elections. When there will surely be a voter backlash and a return to a more balanced approach in Washington, political approach. I do not use the word communist lightly. As a young man, Barack Obama spent a lot of time learning from a man named Frank Marshall Davis, who was a communist. As an adult, he has surrounded himself with others who share many of the same goals and ideas as Mr. Davis. As a, as a candy coating wears off in the next few years, my hope is that more people will begin to see how dangerous this man really is. Barack, Barack Hussein Obama, in my opinion, is the most dangerous and one of the most thoroughly dishonest presidents this country's ever had. Please note that the governors and the legislators in several states are reacting negatively to President Obama's hunger for centralized power. And many are in the process of passing bills declaring their state sovereignty under the Ninth and Tenth Amendment tenths Tenth Amendments of the Constitution. There is a backlash against Obama's blatant power grab going on in state after state after state after state. The transformational tyrant. No man is born a murderer or evil or cruel, as I stated last night. In America, no man is born a king or a tyrant. Obama brings tyranny. The abuse of power by President Obama is unprecedented at this time and frightening. Do you see what power has done to Obama? He says one thing and does another. That's not unusual for a politician, is it? But Obama brings it to Olympic gold standard. Every word out of his mouth is worthless. But this worse. This is ignoring the Constitution for the purposes of a power grab. President Obama knows that um, Americans will pretty much go along with what he wants to do because Americans want to hope for the best and give Obama the benefit of the doubt. And a lot of that is owed to his race. For Obama, though, the Constitution itself is inconvenient. Any restraint on Obama that is embedded in the Constitution generates about the same response you get from a young child who, when they're told that, no, they can't have a cookie just before dinner. Anyone might think that Obama, the constitutional scholar who has written not one scholarly article about said constitution is simply frustrated by the constitution. One should note that he also appears to be against the constitution of any nation that is actually using its constitution as a basis for limiting government power. I'll quote, I was a constitutional law professor, which means unlike the current president, I actually respect the Constitution. Barack Obama at a campaign fundraiser, March 30, 2007. Folks, Obama was not a constitutional law professor. He was, a, he was no more than a student graduate assistant. He was no more a professor than my dog Nick is. 
yet he touts this label as being professor. He gave lectures. He stood in for professors. He was not a professor, but I guess it doesn't matter really. What's in a label? Everything's at stake, folks. Everything. We're we're living in dangerous times. This president has not been checked. Someone needs to check him. The Congress needs to put him in place. And he needs to be made to understand by the Congress, by the judiciary, that he is not all-powerful, that he is not a king. He is a tyrant. Who's going to do it? Who's going to put this guy in his place? And I don't mean that racially for some of you out there. I mean, who's going to check this moron in the Senate, in the House, in the judiciary branch? He needs to be challenged. And I believe that voters will back up Congress. They're, you know, And I understand that Congress is reluctant to challenge Barack Obama too harshly for fear of garnering the label racist. Because anytime you challenge the president, you're considered to be a racist. Anytime you don't agree with his policies – you're considered to be a racist. The only reason why Obama has not been using the race card or his minions haven't used the race card where Newt Gingrich's remarks were concerned was because more white people use food stamps than blacks. So blacks can't go with the, oh, to suggest that uh, Obama's the food stamp king is racist. They can't even go with that. Obama is a thug. Everything he stands for is at stake in 2012, right now. He's also said many times that he believes his goals are so important that he intends to implement them with or without Congress through executive or administrative usurpations. He has done more than talk. He's acted in uh, contravention of the Constitution and intends to continue in that vein. What he might do in a second term is frightening to those who believe in freedom and equality of opportunity. The freedom and equality of opportunity that our current pattern of discretionary and entitlement spending is not just unsustainable but also guaranteed to destroy this country. And that we cannot preserve our freedom if we persist on the course of unilateral disarmament. Isn't it ironic that the first black president of the United States, the man who made history, which means absolutely nothing to me, by the way, is going to be the man who destroys this country and brings us to our knees. A black man. A black man. The first African-American president in the United States is going to be the one to bring this country to its knees. Think about that. We have a call on the line. Caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Yeah, Doc, you did it to me again. You asked a question. I got to try to answer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sarge of Rapid Fire, 432-6? Yes, sir. Eastern All Standard right. Time. <laughs> That's right. How you doing, guy? Man, you're cooking on all cylinders as usual, hitting all the high points as usual. I'd just like to elaborate, elaborate a bit on the fine job you're sure. already doing. Thank you. And that is that uh, you know Ob much of Obama's rhetoric is uh, is drawn really from the founding father of community organizing, Saul Alinsky. 
And I don't understand the, the tyranny he wants to inflict on us. We have to understand the wellsprings of that philosophy. And uh, Alinsky was this really clever guy who uh, would constantly invoke America's founders, uh, and he tried to use what they said to back his own particular brand of community-based Marxism. And, um, you know, Alinsky would merge a, a sort of this fake founding philosophy with his own brand of community-based Marxism, um, uh, you know, in, in order to push for this, this notion of communal freedom, which is which is a form of tyranny led by the government. Now, 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 Brother Obama, he was raised in that Alinsky tradition, and he speaks with that fork tongue Alinsky used. Yep. Like, for instance, there was a speech, and he said this. I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I got the quote in the speech. I did keep it because it just impressed me so with this breathtaking demagoguery. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he said that Americans have historically put our faith in free markets and free enterprise as the engine of America's wealth and prosperity. We are rugged individualists, a self-reliant people with a healthy skepticism of too much government. Now, that's great, because that's mm-hmm. true. Now, no argument, nothing whatsoever to argue in that statement. But then he goes on. But there's always been another threat running to our history. I believe. Yeah. And we all connected. <laughs> And <laughs> that there are some things we can only do together as a nation. Now wait a minute no, no, now. No, no. Hold hold on, Sarge. Now. Hold hold on, Sarge. Are you doing are you doing Barack Obama or are you doing Boo Boo from uh, Yogi Bear? I think it's kind of a synthesis <laughs> of the two and I'll explain that. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't he sound like Boo Boo? Yes he does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh you know, uh but this is typical Olinsky, you know? Mm-hmm. I, it's really, if you think about it, it's really a form of Hegelian dialectics, which is critical to accepting Marxism. When he con- purposefully, uh, deliberately confuses principal individualism with principal communitarianism, suggesting that America is really characterized by both, uh, he begins our slow march to fascism, a kindred philosophy to Marxism. Yeah. And, 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 and he essentially tries to make America's corporatist. You know, crony capitalist yeah. fascists, you know, free marketers ready, willing, able to turn over that free market to a well-organized state bureaucracy. And that's what I mean by Hegelian dialectic. He poses a thesis, then an antithesis, then he tries to do a synthesis because he can't govern by outright Marxist principles at this particular time. He's got to use intermediate steps. That's what he's trying to do. I guarantee you, whatever bit of a mask is on this guy right now, it will be completely off if he gets a second term. You won't yeah. see it. You will see the naked face of the jackboot and the iron fist and the velvet glove pulled off. But you believe, and with great faith, that it won't come to that. That no. he'll be soundly defeated and will be left to pick up the pieces and try to put this thing back together. Oh, yeah, I absolutely believe, and again, I will say it again, this is the only qualification I have, conventional two-party political race, conventional two-party race between the Republicans and the Democrats, no strong third-party candidate, the usual assortment of third-party losers, mm-hmm. libertarians, constitutionalists, etc. If that is the case, he loses convincingly. The only question is how badly. One, yeah. uh, one candidate could beat him worse than others. I have no fear. I've seen nothing... To uh, 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 cause me to reassess that that conclusion, especially since the dummy went and uh, uh, vetoed the Keystone Pipeline, gas prices will shoot up further than that. I guarantee you, before uh, the election, we'll see over $4 average price, $4 gallon gasoline throughout the country. You're exactly right, and we see that happening right now. But let me ask you this, Sarge. You speak a lot about the Constitution, and 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 and, is, uh, and, and you're whole, wholly accurate. Uh, oh, President Obama's made clear his path to reelection. He plans to run against Congress, and also by seizing unconstitutional powers. Do you think that'll have some effect on on what occurs um, uh, with the election with the election coming up in 2012? That his run against Congress, a do nothing Congress, as Harry Truman did way back in the old days, do you think that'll work? Uh, he'd have to have some of the positives that Harry Truman had going for him. He did preside over a successful end of a world war, after all. Yeah. I mean, what does this guy got? I mean, he's got nothing going for him. If he had maybe 
some positives to which he can point to and say, objectively, this is what I have done as a result of my policies, and they were positive, in other words, good for the economy and the country, he might be able to do that. He doesn't. He can't. It makes no sense. But it's the only chance he's really got, because he sure can't run on his record. Yeah. Again, there is no metric that has not gotten worse since he's going to become president. Not yeah. one. And you can specifically point to as how his policies, in fact, made them worse. Along with that, Obama recently designed um, a somewhat mysterious new law that proclaims that all American soil is essentially a battleground thereby allowing the president to indefinitely detain any American citizen without charges. How do you think that will play into the election cycle? Uh, let's see. How successfully did what the relatively mild areas of the Patriot Act play against Bush? Yeah. I don't know if they really uh, were that significant to most Americans. Most Americans, frankly, are not worried about being picked up as associates and accomplices of al-Qaeda or the Taliban. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this really has that much import for the average American voter. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ask him, would he be concerned about it? Of course he'd say he was. Is it a deal breaker for him? Probably not. No more than the, many aspects of the Patriot Act war for George Bush. I yeah. don't think this sort of thing is going to help Barack Obama in, in any way. He signed the damn thing. He insisted upon it being put in there. It's not going to help. Probably isn't going to hurt him yeah. unless somehow most people can uh, can uh, tie it to a general – uh, dis-ease and uh, feeling of vulnerability to the average member of the population. I just don't see how anybody can do that. I mean, the, the, I, even even I, as concerned as I am about law, and I'm very concerned about it, I oppose it. I wish they hadn't passed it. I'm, I, you know, uh, it's pretty specific as to who they're supposed to pick up anyway. The problem is that the law doesn't have any judicial review in it to determine that the person picking up is, in fact, associated with al-Qaeda or the Taliban, or at least there's reasonable grounds to believe that he is so. That's really the problem with the bill, not the fact that it allows him to be picked up. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with the bill is there's no judicial review, independent judicial review, to determine that those are reasonably the facts to be considered. That's really the only problem I see with the bill, not the fact that you know associates, people associated with al-Qaeda or Taliban can be picked up and held on these charges. I don't have a problem with that. I don't know if anybody else does. Yeah. I've got a problem with the lack of judicial review. And like I said, even then, most people probably are going to say that uh, they don't have anything to fear about from this law. Most people. Whether they do or not, they're not going to think they do. Well, uh, let me ask you this. The group, the Old Keepers, of which I am proudly a member, um, are you familiar with the group? And, oh, and yes, so, are, are you, I am are you, also a member. You are also a member. Okay, very yes. good. Why do you think groups like this are springing up or have sprung up since um, uh, President Obama's election? We need a civilian defense force that just as powerful, just as strong, <laughs> and just as well-funded. Okay, uh, now you, you know, sound that, like that, Jesse Jackson. Given the, fact, given the fact that nobody in the press yet has, 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 has relentlessly followed up on this and asked this man, what are you talking about? I think it's good for a lot of people who have taken the oaths, as I have. I say I take more six, seven. Mm-hmm. I've taken the oath to defend the Constitution seven times. I think people who still feel bound by that oath and take it seriously, um, uh, you know, have sprung up with organizations uh, in response to it. What does he mean? What does he mean? It's alarming. Yeah. That's why. That's why these things are springing up, because of what the man is saying and the fact that there's no – the fourth estate is not following through with this constitutionally uh, a mandated function to be a vigorous and inquiring free press about the most unvetted, most mysterious presidential uh, figure in the history of the United States. But given all that. Is this talk about a civilian national security force, which we haven't heard much about uh, uh, lately? Um, my question to that would be how he would get that past Congress, how he'd pay for it, how it would be funded, and how he could sneak that by the American people. Uh, even Rachel Maddow uh, uh, called called him out recently on that of MSNBC. I can't believe she's all she's all of a sudden turned conservative. Uh, you know, mostly because you know, I think perhaps the ratings at MSNBC are abysmal, and so she needs to do something. But um, 
Well, don't you, believe it because she hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, we get a okay. Wait, little Republican candidate. Doesn't matter who he is, and you see her true colors come back. You know, her true colors just running right now because it's raining. But when yeah. it dries up, you'll see what they really are. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, I just uh, you know we have uh, we have uh, several months left until things start to shape up. Hopefully, you know we'll sort this. Um, We'll sort this uh, election cycle out uh, and come up with a nominee, and then we'll be able to get behind whoever it is. Um, I don't see any of the other candidates being as strong as Romney and being able to um, defeat Barack Obama soundly. Uh, I think that uh, Paul is uh, is like your crazy uncle that you try to hide, uh, you know, during Christmas and, and Thanksgiving. Um, Santorum's really cool. I'd love the sweater vest, um, but uh, he seems kind of boring. Uh, you know, the only thing that could spice Romney up right now is perhaps the the tantalizing promise that maybe Christie will join uh, Romney uh, as a vice presidential uh, candidate. What do you think? Oh, oh, we're not hoping for that, are we? Well, he did th- throw the bone out there earlier. By stating that you know he would be uh, remiss if he didn't entertain the idea, something like that. Oh, he's to the that left to Romney on many things. Chris Christie. Yeah. Well. Uh, Absolutely. Well, a lot of people seem Gun to control, like it. Control, illegal immigration. Uh, boy, a host of things. And this guy, the only thing I, I can really think he's good on is opposing the union. Which he's pretty strong on, but mm-hmm. on, on just about every other thing that is of importance to me as a Declaration of Independence Constitution conservative, this guy is sadly remiss. He may be necessary for what, to get elected as a Republican in New Jersey, but mm-hmm. that's about all I can say. I am not so, at all thrilled with the prospect of Chris Christie getting this race. So do you? who do you think – what would you think would be the ideal ticket out of the field that we have uh, to pick from? Uh uh, as far as being uh, principally conservative, mm-hmm. uh, Bachman, uh, Santorum, Santorum Bachman, uh, you know, failing that, uh, uh, Gingrich Bachman, mm-hmm. Gingrich Santorum. Uh, but again, uh, you know, people always have to look at that elusive question of electability. Well, look, with Romney, the major thing, aside from the fact I think we have a usurper who has totally violated the Constitution, that for me is the biggest single issue. It mm-hmm. is. I don't care yeah. if it is for anyone else. For me, it is. But I agree. The, the number two thing is this Obamacare getting reversed. With Romney as a candidate, that's completely off the table. Are you sure? It's off the table. He has I mean, said Obamacare, Romneycare was the model for Obama, Obamacare. And Romney has, has not repudiated Romneycare. He has not come no, out and said, I made a huge mistake. I'll never do again. And I want to reverse it to the extent I can. He has, he has pledged. Though to reverse or strike down Obamacare if he's elected, he doesn't sound very convincing to me. The first thing he's got to do is talk about how wrong his own situation was, his own philosophy. He hadn't even really done that yet. If he won't, if he won't strike down his own philosophy and apologize for, I mean, I think that's really his best strategy. Yeah, apologize profusely for it. I was misguided. I was living in Massachusetts. They were force feeding me a lot of Kool Aid. I shouldn't have done it. I promise I'll never do it again. I realize why it is wrong in principle, explain why it's wrong in principle, and this is why I will oppose Obama. If he did that forthrightly and convincingly, I'd forgive him in a heartbeat. But he won't. But you'll vote for him anyway. He can't admit a mistake. And a big mistake like that you've got to be prepared to admit to. So you can go forthrightly after the guy who has now imposed it on the entire country. And it will be off the table. I'm telling you, it will be off the table. He'll find a way to go back on his pledge. I don't trust Romney. I just don't. A lot of people don't. A lot of people are are just – I mean it's it's the reason why we don't have a um, an excited field, an, an excited uh, election cycle here because a lot of people don't trust Romney. They, they believe that he's Obama light. They believe yeah, – His record, just look at his record. Uh, you, don't have, you don't have to argue. You got to say look at his – Advocacy of positions. And, of course, the excuse will come back, well, I was in Massachusetts. Well, well, that's when, you know, you know, the tough get going when the rubber meets the road. 
Yeah. Maybe that's when you should have been your toughest. Now, well, you, know, yeah. you know, not take the path of least resistance. Or do you want to be a leader or not? Because, you know, I, I was led by people uh, in, in really tough situations where their lives literally were on the line. They were my commanding officers. Mm-hmm. I was in Vietnam, and the best of them put their lives on the line to lead. Yep. They led from the front, and they took some of the worst fire getting us moving. Well, you know what, Sarge? Hopefully uh, things will shape up. And, um, hope, you know, we, we, we need to really be excited for this election cycle. And uh, whether it be Romney or Gingrich or or any combination thereof, uh, Obama's got to go. He has got to go. And I am not as confident as you are that it's going to be so easy to remove him from office that, uh, that he's going to be so soundly defeated. I hope so. Well, I don't think it's going to be easy, uh, Doc. I really don't think it's going to be easy. I think it will be assured, provided we do what must be done, provided we have the guts to forthrightly speak in defense of conservatism, diligent, as long as we are diligent, vigilant against the uh, the lust sure to be committed, acts of fraud and chicanery. It won't be easy, but it will be an assured outcome if we are diligent and hardworking. If that is so, yes, I am assured. I say again, I am assured of his decisive defeat. And will you be uh, working hard to get out the vote this uh, November? Oh, yeah, I'm working hard to do it now. I'm calling (laughs) and I'm trying to ripple in the pond, set up network on network to to, to do it. I'm doing everything I can. This is the most critical election for the United States since the election of 1859, 1860. I couldn't couldn't agree more, and I want to thank you for calling in, Sarge. I do appreciate it, and all your wisdom and input. Hey, check Sarge out um, Monday through Friday? Uh, Yes, sir, and also a Sunday on the Red State Talk Show Radio of the Year, Terry O'Brien. All right. Speak later on her shows, which is from 5 to 7 p.m. on Sundays. I love Terry's show. From uh, But rapid fire with you uh, and uh, my good friend, um, oh, my God, I'm having brain lock. Terry uh, right. Yeah, yep. Uh, and uh, please check him out. Sarge is the man. Thank you so much for calling in. We are just about out of time, Sarge. Have a great night. And, uh, you know, hey. Yeah, let's hopefully we can we can get this thing rolling. Good night. Yes, sir. I'll be back tomorrow. All right. Good early morning, Father. Good night, folks. Visions of the things to be, the pains that are withheld for me. I realize and I can see that suicide is painless. Brings on many changes, and I can take or leave this if I please. The game of life is hard to play, I'm gonna lose it anyway. The losing card I'll someday lay. So, this is all I have to say. I replied, oh, why ask?
Yeah.